Welcome to Control-Alt-Revolt, the podcast, episode 29, and it's Medusa Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday! Hi everyone, it's me. Welcome back. Glad you've joined us again. You weren't ready for that level of enthusiasm, were you? I'm always ready for that level of enthusiasm. Just sitting here with Nick Cole, the star of the show. No, I don't think so. (laughs) I do not think so. I think we know who the star is. You've got your makeup on. You've got your Valentino sunglasses on. You've got your ponytail on. You said today that ponytails make you feel... Ponytails and high heels. Ponytails. (laughs) You said you're bouncy today. Yeah. I'm like, can't not be with a ponytail and high heels. I didn't know that was a rule. I don't know. I just discovered it today because it made me feel really bouncy. (laughs) And we're having a Starbucks. We've yes. carved away from our work schedule today. I'm busy QCing the audio version of Forgotten Ruin Hit and Fade. So I just uh, sat in the gym garage and I did a bunch of abs and I pedaled in the heat and trying to burn off the giant steak we ate last night. Mm, that was good. Rubbed in duck fat, salt and pepper, done on the grill. And then we made a side, sort of like a side salad with it. You would call it not a lettuce salad, but like it was a salad that we had at an Italian place nearby. Right. Which we ended up not being crazy about, but we were crazy about this salad. So we recreated it, which is like unusual. I think it's unusual, but it was like, um, what do you call it? Like blanched or boiled uh, russet potatoes. Boiled, you wouldn't want to blanch them because they'd still be. Yeah, Yeah, so boiled. Boiled potatoes. But then kind of chilled, maybe, or at least room temperature. Just room temperature, then doused in vinegar. And then, uh, yeah, and then, like, a bunch of chopped tomatoes and, like... Red wine vinegar. Yeah, and thinly sliced onions and basil. Well, actually, the onions were green onions. Green onions, basil, and just, like, dressed with, like, yeah, Yeah. olive oil, salt and pepper, and red wine vinegar. It was so good. And it was a ribeye crown roast that I got from Omaha Steaks, and I know people have strong opinions about Omaha Steaks, but I kind of like their steaks. Omaha Steaks, let's go ahead and sponsor the stack. <laughs> um, but uh, I got, I, I'd never really ordered Omaha Steaks. And when we had the meat shortage uh, at the beginning of the uh, two weeks to flatten the curve a year and a half ago, <laughs> um, our butcher, like people were coming in and just buying everything out. The butcher was actually mad about that. So I just jumped on Omaha and I bought up like a bunch of steaks and everything like that. We'd been sitting on them. And then this week we just bought a side of beef because I think there are going to be, as I understand it, uh, meat shortages by the end of the summer. Not because there's a shortage of meat, but because the processing plants aren't working at full capacity. Because? Because too much STEMI is being paid to everyone and no one wants to work, understandably, because they're like, why would I want to go to work when I can make the same amount staying home? So So the Brazilian Portuguese, which Nicole is a member of their Hebraic tribe, um, (laughs) the lost tribe of Portuguese Brazilians. Sure. uh, She, uh, her her family has access to uh, cattle. So uh, we purchased a side of beef and that's, uh, that little guy's being led off to the slaughterhouse and Little grass-fed guy. Clonked in the head. <laughs> Four fifty a pound. 
but he, yeah, I know. My I'm favorite part was listening to them divvy up the steaks, and they all want filet mignons because mm. because they don't like the ribeyes and the, all the all the steaks that taste good. They're too chewy. Because they're too chewy, <laughs> and I'm like, more for me. I know. I do love filet mignon. It's the best. Oh man. I know. Real I steak like ribeye. I like prime rib. <laughs> I like prime rib. I like T-bone. True. I like New York strip. My favorites. I know. I'm not a real steak person. I do actually love prime rib, but filet mignon, flank steak. Flank steak's good. Love it. Like, thinly sliced, so good. Yeah. And then, like, uh, tri-tip, actually. Yeah. I and know. a hanger I'm steak not... is good when you can find yeah. it. And we should get hanger steaks off this. To me, I, am I right? Are hanger steaks kind of similar to flank steak? I feel Close. like they are. Close, but not really. Flank steaks okay. are, like, a hanger steak is, is a better uh, cut of that. Now, okay. People probably know, and they could correct me. I'm sure M.A. Rothman will correct me. I know M.A. Rothman likes the cap of the ribeye. That's mm. his jam. I think we've had that. That is pretty yeah, good, actually. It's like, good. Especially if it's like really good quality. Like you got to cook it right. You got to cook it right. Yeah. Uh, but what I really like now is prime rib. That when I the part that I like about the prime rib is called the deckle. <laughs> That's a Thomas Keller word That's, that we and learned. I learned it from watching Thomas <laughs> Keller Masterclass. And when I go get prime rib, which I always go and go and get it at Houston's, my favorite bite now is the deckle. Like it's so, and it's the outside of the prime rib. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it kind of like there's like the fat layer, but somehow there's like some extra meat, like yeah. On, there's on the other there's side there's of the that. fat layer that protects the prime rib. Then there's meat, and then there's the fat and the skin on the outside. And boy, that right there, that that deckle part, that is the flavor country. Yeah. You get that and a little creamed horseradish, and then Houston's is brilliant because they serve your au jus in a coffee cup, so you can just drink it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how I like to live life That is really in the good. fast lane. We had a good weekend? We had a, uh, yeah, like definitely a good weekend, I would say. You, uh, you embraced your uh, name, uh, Nicole Destroyer of Karen's. Uh, you you ran into a male Karen and you turned you turned your Medusa gaze on him and he um, fled. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I was not even looking. I mean, well, I should say I'm never looking for a fight. I don't enjoy fights. But when <laughs> but, someone insists, but when she's looking, I say, "All right, game on." <laughs> so, uh, shall I tell the story? I think now that we've teased. So there's it. this older gentleman who's, and I shouldn't call him a gentleman because he's not a gentleman, but. Yeah. Um, older man who we think is German. He's definitely German. like has an accent. It's one of the creepy Germans. Yeah. Um, who hangs out at the Keen coffee shop, all the, the coffee you know place that we go to all the time. So, uh, we were in the car and we were having our coffee and we were listening to stuff. And then I wanted to run and do a quick restroom run. And so I looked for the key and the key was already taken. So I went around to wait for the woman who I assumed would be coming out of the restroom and I wait and I wait and I See, wait now I want to interject forever something here. for a long time. I want to interject something here. I have a policy. Mm-hmm. If I have to wait for a restroom, like that's a single, I, I have this little invisible clock in my head. I have that too. And if it goes too long, I'm 
convinced I don't want that restroom. So I was already getting to that point. Yeah. I was already pretty convinced. I had actually, I don't think yeah. I told you this, I'd actually walked around to see if I could go through the back door of the Nazi Susie Cakes and just uh, crash their place really fast and <laughs> run in their restroom before they could stop me. Yeah. But their back door was locked. Of course. And then I like checked an office door there because there was like an office building. Aww. I'm like, maybe there'll be like a downstairs, you know, restroom in there. It was locked. So I had already kind of tried to like hedge my bets there. So then I walked back. I'm like, well, let's just see. Finally, the person comes out, and it's this German man coming out of the Good. clearly marked women's restroom, and he goes, like, I can't do a German. No, do it, because well, you did it good, because he was crazy. Well, remind me, though, because I don't remember how to do a German accent for English. But you know, like, he's like, what, what, what's wrong, you know? Like, well, do you want, but first you he wanna want to get in here? You want the key? And I was like, um, no, I'm good. No, that's okay, thanks. And he was like, why not? What? And I was like, well, I mean... You're a man. You just came out of there. No, I, I don't. I don't really want to go in there now. And he's like, "Why not? It's all the same." And I'm like, "No, it's not all the same." And he's like, "Yeah, it's all the same now." I'm like, "No. Some places mark them unisex. These are not marked unisex. This says women's and men's. You're in the women's. You're not supposed to be there. Yeah. And whatever. And we're walking, you know, back Let to the coffee shop. Let me ask this question: Did anyone come out of the male restaurant? Restroom? The male key was there when I when I went and looked at the keys. So he just wanted to use the That's female what I think. restroom. Yeah. So yeah, you'll find that he's one of those creepy Germans who there's not there's no nothing to be ashamed of, and their sexual deviancy deviancy is perfectly normal. <laughs> I liked and, your little thing. That yeah. You and did most like him. most likely that's his that's his kink his the, thrill. Do your little like uh, role playing not role playing that sounds weird but like <laughs> the little thing that you did of him like saying oh yeah this is healthy. You know, this is completely healthy what I do in the women's restroom, <laughs> you know. And my mom listens to this podcast, so I won't <laughs> I totally know. do that. It was just funny. But it was I, I've encountered enough postmodern Europeans to know that they will justify their weirdness, and they love it, man. They love that weird stuff. Like there was something like the world is falling apart during the early days of COVID, and in the Netherlands, or was it? Denmark, I think it was Denmark. Um, notice how I say it is a German because I was, I was a linguist in the army, not a very good one. But German um, was your language. But there, but so. Denmark is how you say Denmark, huh. and um, and uh, uh, post-European Germans, mm-hmm. uh, postmodern European Germans like. They're just, they're kind of that crowd. Mm -hmm. They they just like, they have a lot of weird. Oh, so anyways, yeah. During the early days of COVID, I got lost there. My brain fried (laughs) out for a second. Um, During the early days of COVID, Denmark, they literally had to say, you can no longer have orgies over three people. Because of COVID. Yeah. And you're like, and if you've ever seen a bunch of like, it's not European, like there's no one in Europe other than hot French kids that you would want to be involved with. You know, like, or maybe some Italian women, but most of the Northern European people, the, the concept of any kind of sex life, like, makes your skin crawl. And then to know that they're engaging in it in sort of these Bacchanalian levels is like, I can Ooh. think of nothing. You guys probably all keep your double knit wool socks on because it's so cold <laughs> and you're all weird and gray and flabby and hairy and like... You know, no, keep doing the orgies so that we know not to have orgies. Like, anyways, we don't have orgies. But, sorry, Mom. Um, so, 
That was you, you, you Medusa hit because he scurried off. Well, he scurried off and I kept walking. I kept kind of matching pace with them and we were having a little, I mean, we, it was kind of a yelling match. Yeah, you came back. And, and I did not You care. were firing all guns. <laughs> you were firing all guns. And I know that when you get into that zone, it's, you I want blood. felt that, I mean, I knew that I was legitimate in what I was saying, so I did not care if everybody heard. Yes. Yeah. He's the one that should have been embarrassed. Yeah. And we think he was embarrassed because he yeah. usually hangs around there forever and, like, he skedaddled and left. So yeah. I think I think the Medusa carried the field. Yay! You, only, <laughs> like, the Germans, some of the most fierce uh, foes in modern history, and the Medusa destroyed them and vanquished them from my coffee house. <laughs> I shall award you the grass crown. If he would have been uh, contrite and just been, like... yeah. You know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been in here. That was wrong. I'm sorry. I wouldn't have made it a big thing. But There's he no- insisted on, like, insisting that he was right, yeah. and I was, like, a weirdo for thinking that he was wrong, and I was like, no, you don't. Yeah. So. There's no such thing as shame anymore. No yeah. one's ashamed of anybody, anything. No one's ever wrong. Uh, now, you can be wrong if the mob decides you're wrong. Um, and then what they can do, like in something we're going to talk about here in a second... They can then get together in your department or your company or, as in my case, like your peer group uh, writers, and they can anonymously decide that you are a bad person and they can use the apparatus of business state or government or community to come after you and to make sure that you know that you're a bad person. And, um, and you know, it's, it's funny because in the United States of America, you are... You are supposed to be under Robert's Rules of Orders, which is how we run and govern things. You are supposed to be governed by your accusers. But I have noticed this trend in modern society where anonymous mobs, and especially with the Internet, can can outrage on a person. And then the person with no actual accuser to defend, no argument, no conversation, now is put on the defense, put on probation... Um, is is now uh, you know the pariah of the state or the community, and and it's amazing the amount of people that are willing to go along with this. So we were listening to this great podcast uh, over on Mercola, and it was like we've reached this moment. I think a lot of us talked about this moment, which is the Bolshevik Menshevik moment of the revolution that you know the insane left is trying to un- do. Like we've all had it on the right. I mean, like effectively, if you're me. Um, and I'm, I think I'm a very small minority politically. I am, I am a hardcore right wing Jesus freak. And I realized a long time ago that I have nothing to do with the society as in, I would love to be a part of the society. I would love to talk about the things that I enjoy and would think would help contribute to the community and make a better world. But I learned a long time ago, even within the conservative movement, I am not welcome. No one wants my God boy talk. No one's interested. No one's interested. Mm -hmm. You know, when Caitlyn Jenner is running for your conservative position in your state, like no one's interested in the Christian point of view. Not, you know, and and that's my, that's my primary, you know, that's my primary identity is, is, as a Jesus freak. So, um, so I'm cool with that. I don't have to be involved in politics. I just kind of sit here off to the, the sidelines, basically doing play by play and color commentary on what I perceive to be the end of the world, which is what this podcast really is. Um, 
I think you do the play-by-play and I do the color commentary. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, that fits our personalities. Yeah, I'm the Dennis Miller and you're the Bob. You're the the Gifford guy. The, like Kathy Lee Kathy Gifford's guy. husband. <laughs> oh. She has a husband. She Maybe. had a husband. He's dead. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what he did. Was he a sports guy? Like he a sports was, He was a major league football player. Oh. NFL, and then he became a, a, a sportscaster. I did not know that. Yeah, and he was in the booth with Dennis for the two years that Dennis was there until wow. Dennis managed to get himself fired. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, it is too bad. So, anyways, um, we're just here doing play-by-play and comment, color commentary for the end of the world. So, it's interesting now because in this podcast, this, this avowed left-wing professor, classical liberal, classical left, you know, the kind of guy who thinks both the 2000 and, shockingly, the 2004 election were stolen, still thinks, you know, probably still has bumper stickers, you know, Bush lied, people died, (laughs) weapons, like, still there, you know, and... and, and W worse. W worse, a village is missing, an idiot, and, and I have, in recent years, become less and less of a fan of George Bush, and it's funny, like, you know, we go back to those times, and you remember how hated he was. But there were things that I thought that he was that he did that were good. And I said, give it twenty years, and I and I was really basing this then that I, I really did know that the Obama presidency would be a disaster. It is metrically a disaster presidency. They just you know will never admit that. And so everything is shot through the lens of like, oh, no, Trump was the disaster. And it's like, and and Obama even loves the fact, I would say, that Biden's such a disaster. But metrically, Obama was a disaster president. He, there was very little he got right. Um, in fact, not much. Uh, he was a drone strike and killer. That was, that was pretty cool. But uh, except when it was except when it, well again I know it's questionable. I'm I'm I, I get a little soft there when your dad's a major league terrorist and the drone strike takes place in another country. Yeah. It wasn't like he was drone striking the Applebees. Yeah. So yeah, um but Obama he did love to drone. Yeah. So um anyways this guy is that guy. He is that hardcore left, you know, Bush and Cheney were Hitler and all this kind of stuff. Well, now the mob has come for him. He is a propaganda professor at NYU, meaning he teaches how to look at, you know, propaganda. And he started to get off the reservation when he asked his students to go ahead and look at masks and to look at the studies that had been done on masks, which the studies basically say masks don't work. Never did. Even professionals will tell you that. They don't work. And so... One of his students, seems to be a plant from the story, went on Twitter, uh, instead of confronting him and asking for clarification, and all he was saying to them was, he was just taught, he was using it as a teachable moment to talk about propaganda. He was saying, listen, people are saying that masks are going to save your life, but when you look at the studies, when you look at the science, it doesn't mean that it's going to save your life. In fact, there's not a lot of evidence. And And what he was saying was not anything about mass, but but he was saying, you can't just listen to the New York Times or Fox News. You have to do your own research. You have to come to your own conclusions. And he was providing these studies that really flew in the face of what everybody was saying, Fox or NYU, or, uh, New York Times, 
or CNN, you know, everybody was saying mass, mass, mass. There was definitely a push for that. And he was saying, yes, but the science here, published reports say that the masks don't work. So the student gets offended, goes on Twitter. The dean of the college responds to the, 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 the accusation and tells the student that they're looking into this. Lo and behold, 26 of the guy's 28 colleagues, or maybe it was 35 colleagues, but a large number of his colleagues come out and sign a letter saying that he was abusing children and harassing children and being dangerous. And he was saying, like, there's this clause in his contract at NYU that says, like, if you are a danger to the students, you know, or if you have hurt them, and he said, this is usually reserved for professors who rape their students. Well, in the case of the mask, it was used on him. Um, that he was a danger. That he was harming his students. Because there's such a one-mind group state zeitgeist going on. In the, in, and, and the, you know, that, that sort of... Anyways, this guy was a leftist, but he wasn't left enough. And he was still thinking. And he was still bothered by propaganda, and that's what he teaches. And he, you know, he talked, had a lot of cogent points about how TV and movie and media are so, and becoming even more, propaganda-driven. And even he's beginning to see it, even though he's left. But I can tell you, just from listening to his narrative, that he's the kind of guy that was fine when the propaganda was all going one way. I don't like Bush. He's a bad guy. Trump's a bad guy. But now it's not enough. And now it's going towards the left. And this is what we're going to see as, as this year progresses. We're now getting to where, you know, if you've studied Stalin and you've studied communist history, the people who implemented the revolution, the big supporters, the teachers, the emeritus, the people who provoked these things, they're now on the targeting list. And so it's, it's interesting to see these purging communities that no longer think and they just feel and the moment you step out of line, there's no reason, there's no debate, there's no discussion, you're ended. So, you know, he was put on suspension, he began to have health problems. Basically, his career is ruined because a, a student didn't like what he had to say and went on Twitter. And his own, you know, faculty, brethren, you know, community turned against him because of the popular one-state mindset. And the crazy thing is, this was all on uh, Zoom classes. So this was not even yeah. in a classroom setting where people that thought masks were going to save their life, and now they're worried that they're going to be endangered because he's not making people wear masks in the class. Yeah. Um, whatever. Like, not that I would even. It wasn't like was he wrong, was kissing was her and sticking classes. his tongue down her throat. <laughs> so this was just like yeah. a theoretical study to look into how propaganda. But was what used. you see, and it's and it's you know, in Orwell, he constantly made that point in 1984 about how everyone was afraid of the children. The children were the most dangerous in 1984. And I even heard, um, I was listening to Ravi Zacharias one time, and he was talking about a prisoner of war from Vietnam. And when they were paraded through the streets of Hanoi, the guy said, I was most afraid. He goes, we'd be paraded and people would throw stuff at us. He said, but it was the children that I was most afraid of, of getting too close to or falling into their hands because they were the most feral and the most violent and the most willing to sort of believe this guy to to not be an enemy but a monster Ooh. because of the propaganda. And that was where he felt, you know, chained, shackled, 
on display he, that was that he, the children were who he was the most afraid of and now you can see that in society where colleges now are absolutely paranoid and afraid of the children being taught the children have the talking stick if the children say anything you don't like there goes your tenure there goes your pension there goes your career and in fact there goes your status in the in the community so as a professor are you going to teach them the truth or are you going to teach them what they want to hear? Sadly, I, I think most people will. And I understand it. it's not, you know, um, you can't ask people to be brave. That's that's why not everybody is heroes. Not, not everybody are heroes. I think we're coming out of that dancing nurse TikTok. Uh, teachers are heroes. I think people realize teachers aren't heroes. I think there are hero teachers. But just because you have an identity doesn't mean by default that you are a hero. Um, my partner in writing said it one time about uh, gender. When someone was pitching us, you know, why don't you do this gender in a story? It was an executive. And Jason said, we don't believe that gender automatically confer, confers virtue. It's, the, it's basically, he was, you know, it's the character, it's the content of your character, just like Martin Luther King said. So that's that's where we're at. Children are, are dangerous, and it, it's it's kind of schadenfreude, kind of funny to hear this leftist professor who I'm, I can guarantee you, you know, delighted and crowed in the fall of Bush, uh, Trump hates McConnell, all these people now finding himself a victim of the mob and crying about it. And, and, and he really was, and I, and I felt sorry for the guy, but I also knew, you know, you could read enough between the lines to know, like you created the Frankenstein you engendered this. He's like, well, I never, I never, you know, if, if any, he goes, there weren't any conservatives at NYU. And he even has the balls to admit, you know, they probably didn't want to speak up, but I would have let them. Oh, that's great to say after the fact that you would have let them, but did you ever go out of your way to create that environment for them? No, because it's a mob fear-based mentality, which is like the stuff that we saw this weekend. This was an incredibly violent weekend. The couple that was dragged out of their car and shot, which at is the their, Puerto Rican, at the Puerto Rican uh, Day Puerto Festival. Yeah. So why don't we jump onto that topic? Exactly. Exactly. Um, you want me to look up an article about it? No, I mean, the topic is basically this. Young couple, Puerto Rican Day Festival, driving around with a flag, 9 o'clock at night. They go down the wrong street. Maybe they were trolling and rolling. I don't know, but it's just a Puerto Rican flag. Um and they get jumped by a mob, and the dude ends up getting... They, you can see the video. Dude gets dragged from the car. Woman gets dragged from the car. Kind of look like they're trying to pull off her clothes. Well, And they shoot both of them. Uh, African-American people in the streets of Chicago. Well, you can see the gunfire. See the guy putting them in point blank almost. Killing them both. They were young. They had kids. Um, the man was killed. The man was the killed. But was... so then this guy who's very left wank, uh, left think, I don't know his name, but he's one of those, you know, I'm the director of the Julian Castro Democracy Fund. And, you know, one of those guys that's got a million titles that you've never heard of that's being, you know, uplifted through the Democratic ranks. And he says, you know, um, if this would have been a white people with a Confederate flag, because he initially thought it was a Confederate flag till someone corrected and said it's a Puerto Rican flag. And he said, quote, If this would have been white people 
with a Confederate flag, I would have been completely agnostic about this. And what he was basically saying is, if you are a white person with a Confederate flag, you deserve to be shot in the street. Okay, so full stop right there. Um, No, if I have a Confederate flag, if I say the N-word, if I espouse a white supremacy in the United States, there is no point ever that you are authorized to shoot and kill me. Those are those would be my ideas. Those would be my beliefs. Those would be the things I would be advocating under free speech. Now, clear qualifier, I don't believe in any of those things. But those things are still free to do in the United States of America. But we have a large population, African-American and hardcore leftist, that is now believing in the justification to kill people over symbols and speech. And why that's important is because today it is something reprehensible like a Confederate flag or reprehensible like using the N-word or reprehensible like using uh, white power, white supremacy. All those things are reprehensible. But there's an Overton window and there's a sliding scale. And so tomorrow, it's it's like the leftist professor. Tomorrow, the boundary is used to, it's moved to, you don't believe in masks, so you need, you need to be shot. Or let's get rid of the Confederate flag and the N-word, and let's just say you're white and you need to be shot. And that's why we don't do that. And and that, I think that, that you know, I, I remember having a conversation a long time ago on Twitter with some major authors. And I was just saying, hey, you may not like white supremacist speech, but it absolutely needs to be protected on the internet. Why? Because I think you need to see how stupid it is. But two, if you you can't protect some speech. You can't criminalize some speech. It all has to be there because what we've seen with the left is given half a chance, they will manipulate it towards their own ends. So like the professor at NYU, you're not left enough. So you need to be shot in the street. And that's, this was an incredibly violent weekend in Oakland, in Chicago. New York is coming unglued. A lot of people on the right are saying, you probably should get out of cities. That's probably a pretty smart idea. Cities are becoming very dangerous. But are they becoming dangerous? Are cities becoming dangerous? Is the city dangerous? Now, here's why I'm going to pull up and not get in a lot of trouble. That city ain't dangerous at all. It's the people in that city. And that's something people need to think about. And the blue, you know, Democrat policies ruling that city, in, like, incorrectly. You could say that, and but you're still pulling up short. And yeah. that's, you know, it was it was uh, Obama's wingman, the Attorney General, Eric Holder, mm. who said, you know, we need to have an honest conversation about race. Yeah? Yeah, let's have that conversation and get in a lot of trouble. But that conversation is being had in the street right now. It isn't, blue policies are bad. They create this kind of environment. But those blue policies aren't shooting that couple in the street. No. The city isn't shooting those people in the street. It's true. All I saw was a bunch of black people shooting that couple in the street. It would seem to me, if I'm finding out what's dangerous, it seems like black people are dangerous. There are definitely a lot of contingents of them that aren't. Obviously, there are I, I think there's lots a lot of, of great ones. I think there's a lot of black people that aren't dangerous, but there does groups. seem to be. Yeah in black culture right now, unless there's some black people that are willing to stand. And there are. There um, are, yeah. But it, it would seem to be that there there are inner city black people that are becoming very dangerous. Yeah. 
and and that's what's dangerous and and it's not racist i don't think less of anybody but you do have to you can't be the news and say hey a guy came in and shot 33 people what did he look like well we don't want to inflame tensions so we won't tell you well how are we supposed to find him that happened i think it was a week ago mm-hmm. so yeah. i'm sorry in a lot of these incidents it does seem like african american people feel that they have a license to hurt people. But you are right. It is a problem with the culture. Some of that culture, you know, that they have is the problem it's, that kind of glorifies And I think a lot of I think a lot of white leftists created that culture, mm-hmm. like that professor, mm-hmm. constantly uh, telling black people that they were owed something, yeah. that they were aggrieved, that, that white people are their enemies. And lo and behold they are now acting violently towards white people. Mm-hmm. Not making any disparagements about anybody's race or anything like that, but it does seem, like in that video, and I've seen many, many, many more, mm-hmm. it's not just not just one video, but it does seem like right now black people are very dangerous people. Yeah. Got to get out of that mindset. Got to get out of that mentality. I love people. Many of them are all kinds of different colors. I try to meet people on an individual basis. But there does seem to be something in the African-American culture, the, the inner city culture, that wants to hurt people right now. Yeah. And it would be criminal for me not to say that to people. If I had a little daughter right now and she said, you know, Daddy, I want to move to the city. I'd say, I don't think it's a good idea. It's dangerous. And I'd be kind of lying. Well, is the city dangerous? No, the city is just streets and buildings. And that's kind of the problem. You know, I, I, I think because I have thoughts on addiction and blame and taking responsibility, I don't think you're doing the community that's having the largest problem right now any favors by saying it's the cities and the buildings that are dangerous. It's not. It's the community. It's the African-American community. It is a dangerous community right now. Go ahead and throw me off. I don't care. Whatever. But that's the truth, whether you like it or not. I wish it weren't. I love African-American people. I kind of wish they'd stop this and we could all just have a great time. Mm -hmm. But I think that there are people who are using and abusing them and creating a sense in them that if you do something they don't like you like they can hurt you. And that's that's like the people who did that to that Puerto Rican couple, they are, e- even if they get away with it, they're going to live with what they did for the rest of their life. They're not going to feel good about it. It's going, it that's going to hurt their lives. Mm-hmm. But chances are they're not going to get away with it. Yeah. Chances are because it was caught on video and because it's so high profile, those people are going to go to jail for murder. And they're going to spend the rest of their lives in jail. I don't think we're doing that community and, and a lot of African-American youths any favors by not calling it like it is, by saying the city is dangerous. Yeah. The blue, do- blue dog Democrats or blue Democrats or whatever blue cities are dangerous. Yeah, they have bad policies, but I don't see you know African-American community leaders or blue Democrats out there pulling people out of their cars and shooting them or smacking Asian people around or pushing people into buses and subways. I don't see them doing that. So they're enabling it, but it's they're still, enabling. the uh, the people are still doing it. So they're still the main, obviously. The main and that's the, the problem. Pull. And that's what everybody needs to know. And it's something we all learned in kindergarten. You don't put your hands on another human being. Mm-hmm. You don't hurt them. 
whether they call you a name, whether they say something foul, whether they have a belief that you don't agree with, whatever it is, you don't hurt them unless mm-hmm. they are trying to hurt you exactly. and kill you. And then you are authorized to defend yourself. Yeah. And we've reached this moment. It was the punch a Nazi in the face thing where people think that hurting people is acceptable. And it's just not. It never will be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like a final little thing, a lot sort of along those lines was that we just saw, and there have been multiple universities and schools that are doing this, but we just saw today Chapman University, which is near near us. It's a good private school, you know, like yeah. a well-respected private school. Chapman University is holding segregated racial graduation ceremonies. And we were just saying, like, this is obviously the various racial groups uh, requesting this. This is not like the white people saying, hey, let's segregate, obviously. But the point is like, so they want to do this. Yeah. And that's just weird. And you're sort of like, I mean, I guess we were saying it's a free country. Okay. I guess if you want to have your own separate ones, like that's your prerogative, but don't say it's like, don't blame it on white racism because you guys are the ones wanting to segregate yourselves, not us. Like, you know what I mean? I would say this, like, I mean, it's always framed in the news is, you know, um, I forget what it was, but they did something recently where they said, Oh, you know, uh, the, Repu- the Republicans just voted against teaching slavery right? because they wouldn't, they wouldn't acknowledge June 19, Juneteenth is whatever it was. And they always do this hot take to frame, instead of telling the truth, to frame everything as the people they don't agree with, which they apparently think are white people in general, except it's weird. White people think a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. But, And that's what I would tell a lot of the people on the left. If you think that you're immune to this, really go watch that Miracle video and watch the shock on the man's face as he realizes that the window, that, that, this, that if you're not, when they determine you're not left enough, and they can always do that, it's going to end up that anybody right of Stalin is, is going to be getting shot in the head. That's kind of where this sort of hardcore Marxism is going. And so, you know, don't think that you're immune to it. It's it's very dangerous. It's a wildfire and it won't stop, you know, it won't, it won't, it won't stop until it's put out. But I'm looking at a lot of the, I'm looking at the evidence of a year of burning, looting, rioting, people being attacked, punched in the face, hit with bricks. Uh, there was a video of, of an older gentleman having his, his cane stolen in a bodega by an African-American man, putting his fist in his face, hitting him, knocking him down, the couple being shot. And, and I would say, I don't think that, that graduation should be segregated. Mm-mm. But it seems to me, African-American people, that you don't like me. Right. And it seems to me that you think violence is acceptable toward me. And I don't like that. <laughs> and I don't like that. I like you. I yeah. really do like African-American yeah. people. Um, so I don't understand the animosity, but I get that, you know, and I've had actually some encounters with with people who are African-American and, and they've come at me with this white privilege stuff. And I thought we were having a nice conversation or, you know, business or whatever. And it's kind of come out like this weird darkness and this sort of license to not like you. And I'm beginning to get, okay, you don't like me. And now I'm beginning to see the violence. You don't like me because of the content of the melatonin in my skin. You think I'm like white. I'm not really white, but thanks. Um, but you're perceiving me to be a threat to you. Well, just for common sense, go ahead and have your segregated 
graduation. I, I don't think I'd have a good time there. I don't think you want me there. And I think I might get hurt there is what I'm kind of seeing. So I don't want to have segregation. I think I don't think there should be any race. I think right. we should all be the same. Yeah. But if you're saying we want it because we don't want you around, I'm fine with that. Because I don't like to go places where people don't like me. I think you'll get hurt. You learn that being an Angelina, moving in Los Angeles. There are certain neighborhoods and 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 streets you don't go down you are not welcome there and you will know immediately when you're there and when you get hurt and people often do get hurt there's been some high profile cases where people got hurt generally you weren't supposed to be there and you should have known better we drove we started to drive down a street like that once on by accident but we literally turned the corner saw it saw the scene there and backed out <laughs> it was a Han Solo Chewy get us out of here. I literally just threw it into reverse and gunned it, and I didn't care who I hit behind me. It was yeah. so bad. That would have been less dangerous. Yeah, that right? would have sure. that would have been getting T-boned in an intersection would have been less dangerous. So thank you, yes, God for taking care of us. Anyways, not a racist, no. not more than anybody else is, but beginning to realize that there are certain people and groups, and and it does seem like ethnic demographics that are beginning to say it's fine to hate people based on the color of their skin and not the content of their character. Martin Luther King must be rolling over in his grave, but he's not in his grave. He's in heaven. Yeah. Regardless of however he lived his life, we're all sinners. Who cares? But I think, I believe he professed Christ, and I'm pretty sure he's in heaven. And that's good news for all of us because none of us are perfect, and if we get in by a hair, then at least we got in. Mm-hmm. Um the final thing that if anybody listened to this and they're, they're kind of scanning for offense and you know, you'll find it, but you'll always find it anywhere. But I, I, I'm not espousing any kind of racism or anything like that. I'm espousing that if people are going to be dangerous, then what they're telling you is they don't want you around. And so it would be best if you're not around. Yeah. You know, the, the African American culture, it seems is choosing violence. Um, I think that there is an internal war within that community, that, that culture. And, and I, and I'm for the side that wants us all to get along. Yeah. The side that wants to say everybody but us is a devil. I don't think that's going to end well with you. And I would also say, I think that's a poor quality of life. People are wonderful regardless of the color of their skin. And they're also evil regardless of the color of their skin. But this should all stop before it goes further. And if you want to know what further is in a recent history example, just study the history of Yugoslavia and how bad that can get once you start down this 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 sort of road of ethnic segregation. You, you, there were genocides there. There were bad things. You don't want to do that. But unfortunately, I think that there are people that want to do that. Yeah, that's really sad. Yeah. Final thought. Final thought? Sometimes you ask me, do you want me to have a final thought? Do you oh, well, we thought? did uh, over over for the insiders, um, which I would really encourage everybody, please join, subscribe. I think this conversation actually was one of the braver ones that you, you won't actually hear people say what we said today. So That's we tried true. to say it with kind of like in a nice way, but kind of a no pull and punches way, because I think the hour is getting late. And I think you either start saying this stuff now um, or it's going to boil over and get out of hand. I don't I'm nobody. You're nobody. Who cares? But subscribe to the podcast because we're the only ones, I think, kind of doing 
this level of honest conversation. And we love it. Getting together and having a cup of coffee with you and thinking about these things. Anyways, over uh, if you're an insider, which we call The Hand, um, this weekend we released a ringtone, um, which is from one of the novels that I wrote called Strange Company. And it's by Single White Medusa's favorite character. Stink Eye. Stink Eye. And he basically has a line in the book where he says, the only good commie is a dead commie. You know, and he's sort of like a space wizard, shamanic, reggae, Rastafarian, samurai kind of dude. And uh, I mean, the funny thing is, can I say, when I read the book, yeah. not listened to it, but read it, I kind of pictured him Asian for some reason. Like, he's, he's Blasian. Okay, yeah. He's black and Asian. Yeah. But he's sort of just this crusty old kind of miserable dark character Mm -hmm. but then he has a lot of redeeming qualities anyways people Mm -hmm. like that character a lot so we created a ringtone uh uh walt robiard helped us with that um so you if you're an insider all you got to do is subscribe five dollars a month or you could join at the fifty dollar level for an entire year or you could go to the hundred dollar level and be a foundation member and you will get a collectible from me from that I'm creating for all the uh, foundation people and it'll be one of a kind and it'll be something you can have for the rest of your life and you can kind of maybe sell it if you wanted to down the road but or maybe you just believe in us and you want to be a foundation member anyways five dollars uh subscribe at the bottom of the podcast smash the like button if you're we're now on apple we're now on Spotify and we're now on Stitcher. We'll put those links in the body so that you can go ahead and subscribe to those so you'll get the podcast coming up and appearing and feeding. We're very excited about growing this podcast. Don't let the left cancel us. Um, and I think those are my final thoughts. We should be dropping a new Soda Pop Soldier chapter this week and the very first chapter of Voodoo Warfare, which is the sequel to Strange Company. Only insiders are going to get those, so I highly encourage you, go ahead and join at the $5 level. Give it a month's chance. See what you like. Um, See if you like it. That's the best way to say it. And support the podcast. And we just love doing this, and we love getting together with you. And let us know in the comments how we did today. If we went too far, we said something you didn't like, we're cool with that. We love to take criticism. If you've got some thoughts on it, Eric Holder said, have an honest conversation about race. You know, go ahead and and I think we either start saying something or it's going to get really bad. And maybe in the saying of something, the other side or whatever side can begin to understand that we're all in it together. We're all Americans. We do have enemies out there in the world. And as I think it was uh, John Paul Jones or one of the Revolutionary Fathers who said, you know, or no, it's Ben Franklin. We either hang together or we'll all swing separately. That is the podcast.